Welcome to Dig Deep. We are in week three of our series, Shine. And I need to start today by admitting to you that even though I am a grown woman, I am afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of the dark. I try to pretend like I'm not, but I know by observing my own behavior that I am afraid of the dark. And I know this because if I am coming upstairs from our basement at night, if all the lights are off and it is dark, I get a few steps up the flight of stairs before I start to feel the urge to run. And I hope that some of you are with me on this because I try to tell myself, okay, there are no monsters in my basement. Calm down and walk like a normal person. But more often than not, I can't fight the urge and I run up the rest of the flight of steps. Sometimes I even skip steps on the way up just to get upstairs faster, just in case there is actually a monster down there. I am afraid of the dark. I see this when I go camping too, because if I have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and leave the tent, even with a flashlight in the darkness, every single sound, everything that I hear, I am convinced that it is a bear or a monster in the darkness and that these are my last moments to live. I don't know why I am an adult but and I cannot get over this, but I am afraid of the dark. And in my defense, I think we should all feel this way about the dark because I think the darkness is scary. Darkness makes us uncomfortable. Darkness makes us want to run away. I don't know if you've ever been watching a scary or suspenseful movie, but in most of these movies, there's a character that chooses to do something really dumb and they go into the darkness totally alone by themselves, maybe with a weak little flashlight shaking in their hand, and they go into the darkness. And I start to wiggle in my seat and I want to yell at the TV, or maybe you actually do yell at the TV if you're one of those people. And you think, what are you doing? Why are you going in there? You don't even have any backup with you. Go get one of your friends. That little flashlight is not going to do it. If you die in this next scene, I am not even going to feel bad for you. But there always seems to be that character. And we get frustrated with that character because our natural response when we encounter darkness is to withdraw, is to back away, to turn the other direction. And what I want us to see today, and what I hope you're seeing throughout this whole series, is that God wants us to walk into the dark areas of this world to shine his light. And the great news is that he doesn't make us do it alone. He promises us that he will be with us as we do that. Look with me at Matthew chapter 4. In this, Matthew is describing the early ministry of Jesus, and he goes through the different places that Jesus went in his early ministry, and then he compares that. He said, this fulfills what the prophet Isaiah said, and he lists those same places. The prophet Isaiah said, in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, and all of those places were places that Jesus visited. And that says in verse 16, in all those places, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. See, you and I live in the land where death casts its shadow. And all of the pain that we experience in this life is ultimately a shadow of death itself. This life, after all, will end for all of us. 
We know that. And all of the disappointment and sorrow and pain that we experience in this life is a shadow of that reality. And in this passage, Matthew reminds us that we are among those who live in the land where death casts its shadow, but it also reminds us that there is a light that shines brightly in that darkness, and that light is Jesus. John 1 verse 9 says, The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And next week, we will conclude this series by going deeper into that truth that Jesus is the light of the world and asking, what does that mean that Jesus is the light of the world? But for today, I want us to talk about a very practical way that God calls us to shine his light into the darkness around us. Last week, we talked about sharing our story, which certainly brings up some anxiety and some concern. Today's principle is even more simple. It's simpler, it's just to show up. Just show up. In Matthew chapter 5, which we looked at the first week of this series, it's one of our foundational scriptures for this whole series, Jesus says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. What I think is most interesting is that most weapons, if you were to use a weapon, you need to aim it perfectly. You really need to learn the skills to use it well, or it's kind of worthless in your hands. But light, as a weapon against the darkness, is unique because all light has to do is show up and the darkness flees. Every summer, our family goes to a camp in North Carolina where my husband leads worship and our family gets to hang out and have fun for a week. It's a really great experience. And my daughter, my oldest, was really excited that this year they opened up her favorite free time activity, archery. This girl loves archery. And I don't know if you know this, but archery is really, really hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard. And I like to walk up there and, and act like I'm a total boss and I'm going to hit the bull's eye. But it turns out that even hitting the closest target, anywhere on the target, much less the bullseye, is just not as easy as Katniss makes it look. Archery is really, really hard. And if you have a bow and arrow in your hand, you better know how to use it with incredible skill in order to hit the bullseye, to hit your mark or it's worthless. But light, the light that we have in Jesus, is a weapon that is so powerful that all we have to do is show up, and that light begins to destroy the darkness. And so God is calling us today to do just that, and it's so simple. Just show up. Just show up. The prophet Isaiah gives us a clue as to what this should look like when he tells us in Isaiah 58 verse 10, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. When we show up in the most tangible, practical ways, 
the light of Christ within us fights off the darkness. So I want us to ask the question today, who around us is hungry? Who around you is in trouble? And I want to ask this question from two different angles, two different vantage points. First, I want us to ask that question, who around you is hungry and who around you is in trouble in the world? What dark corners are right down the street from you that you usually just avoid? What are the dark basements that when you're a couple steps away, you pick up your pace and turn your head and get as quickly away from them as you can? What dark corners of this world make you uncomfortable? Two years ago, my husband's cousin came to understand who Jesus really is and what he's done for us. And both she and her husband decided to follow Jesus, place their faith in him, and they were baptized. And shortly afterwards, she had an opportunity to serve in a homeless shelter in Baltimore. And she was telling me about her experience and that she was a little nervous because she had never done anything like that before. Never in her whole life had she served in that way. And what made her even more anxious was that her young son was interested in going with her and serving with her, which she was excited about and loved to see that interest in him, but it also brought up some anxiety. And I said to her when I saw her at a family pool party afterward, how did it go? How was the experience? And she had tears in her eyes as she described their experience to me. Because she went into it initially, you know, stern, telling her son, okay, you're going to stay exactly by my side, do exactly what I tell you to do. And they arrived and they worked hard to get the room ready and get the food ready and get everything ready to go. And then they sort of manned their battle stations ready to serve. And when they opened the doors, this group of men, this population of men that's very rough around the edges, you might say, started filing in. And as she served them their lunch, her perception of them began to change because she saw on their faces more heartache and exhaustion than any danger. And once all the meals were served, she was surprised to hear that they were then free to walk around and sit and talk with the gentleman if they wanted to. And as she and her son circulated the dining room, she said she had never experienced anything like the joy of serving in that way. But what was even more powerful for her was that she was watching her son serve and talk with these men who had experienced so much of the shadow of death in their lives. And she watched their faces soften with smiles as her son refilled their drinks and listened to their stories. And she sat back in awe of her son who was showing kindness and love and compassion without hindrance. What she saw that day was the beautiful and incredibly powerful effect of light in the darkness. Because light breaks through the darkness just by showing up. Just by showing up. We talked in the first week of this series about knowing our hill. And so what's the shadowed corner of the world where you need to show up? And it's probably just down the street from us. It's probably just down the street from you, just down the street from me. Maybe it's a homeless shelter. Maybe it's a nonprofit that serves and cares for victims of human trafficking. Maybe it's 
the assisted living facility down the road or the children's home. And all these places that are filled with people who need people to just show up and love them, to just show up and shine the light of Jesus in their lives. Isaiah says, feed the hungry, help those in trouble. It's that simple. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. So go do some brief research, find a dark corner and show up and love people. And so we need to show up in the world. We need to look at the world around us with open eyes and find places where we can show up. But we also need to ask, where do I need to show up today in my world, in my world? We need to show up in the world. We need to show up in our individual worlds. It was a few years ago when I heard Pastor Rick Warren, author of The Purpose Driven Life, he's a pastor in California, he was the one I heard say, when people are hurting, you just show up. You just show up. This past week, there was a story that went totally viral on Facebook. I don't know if you saw this, but a third-party observer posted a picture on Facebook of what she saw on her flight from Minneapolis to Atlanta. Apparently, there was a pregnant woman on the flight who was flying alone with her very fussy toddler son. And we've all been on a flight with a fussy toddler, and it makes the flight pretty miserable for everyone. And the son seemed to be completely inconsolable. The woman seemed to be totally exhausted, at a loss for how to help this kid. And it was then that a man on the flight, a total stranger, came over to the woman and introduced himself and explained that he was a dad and he could see that she was having a long day, and he offered, if she was comfortable, to walk the kid back and forth in the aisle and try to calm him down. And so that's what this man did. And this third-party observer took a picture saying, this man who had this adorable little boy cuddled onto his shoulder, calmed down on the flight, walked him back and forth in the aisle for almost the entire two-and-a-half-hour flight. And this story went completely viral, exploded on Facebook. Why? Because when light enters the darkness, people sit up and take notice. It sparks something inside of us. Whether you are a Christian or not, seeing something like that stirs your heart. It just seems right. It gives you hope. It points to something. It points to the divine design that I believe is stamped on the hearts of all of us. That reminds us this is what we were made for. This is what we were intended for. This is the right way. And there are entire pockets of society, corners of society that we are tempted to turn away from or run from. But there's also situations right in front of us every day, big and small, that we are tempted to turn away from. The shadow of death is all around us, not just in the world at large, but in our little worlds, on each of our hills on our flights, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in our small groups, in our families, there is darkness. And the shadow of death comes in infinite forms. It comes in the form of bad days and bad news and fussy babies and broken dreams and broken relationships, the diagnosis phone call, depression, anxiety. And of course, it comes in the form of death itself loss and tragedy. And God has equipped us, his followers, with the weapon to fight against that darkness. And it begins 
by simply refusing to turn away and just mind our business and instead walking directly into the darkness and just showing up. Just show up. And when Rick Warren said, you just show up, he went on to clarify, and I appreciate this. He said, and by the way, you don't ask, you just show up. You don't ask, you just show up. Last week, I was having coffee with two friends who had reached out to me and wanted to get together to talk about something that they're working on, and I was happy to do that, and I honestly was having a really tough week leading up to our coffee date, and I didn't really want to talk about it. I had every intention of sweeping all that under the rug so that we could just get together and talk about what they wanted to talk about, but one of them asked me a question about how my week was going, and I answered it kind of vaguely, and then they pressed with a follow-up question, and everything came spilling out, just some of the some of the unique things that had come up that week, some of the, the frustrating and disappointing and um, scary things that we were facing that week came out. And Marlena put her arm around me. And then they both prayed for me. And after we were done hanging out and spending our time together, Emily said, hey, can I bring you dinner tonight? And then she said, I can make you a pan of enchiladas and bring it by after work. Or I can give you the pan of eggplant parmesan that's in my car right now. And I thought to myself, who on earth has a pan of eggplant parmesan in their car? That is so weird. Someone like Emily does because she's always ready to care for people and feed people. And what, what I want you to notice is that she didn't say, well, let me know if there's any way I can help. Or would it be helpful if I brought you dinner at some point? She simply said, hey, enchiladas or eggplant parmesan? And she fed me and my family that night. And by the way, I know you're probably listening, Emily, and I have your Pyrex dish to get back to you. So thanks again. It was delicious. But don't ask. Don't ask. Don't overthink it. Just show up. And this sounds so simple, but sometimes it's the toughest thing to do. Sometimes showing up is the toughest thing to do. It was not too long ago that we got the awful news from some friends that had delivered their twins prematurely, a little boy and a little girl. And while the little boy was doing pretty well, the little girl was struggling. And when we got the news one evening that it didn't look like the little girl was going to last the night, we immediately bowed our heads and through tears prayed for these sweet friends of ours and this loss that they were almost definitely going to face. And over the course of that evening, my husband, who had served on the production team with the husband of this couple for a couple years, was texting him back and forth and asking if there was anything that he could do. And eventually he asked, would you like me to come to the hospital? I can be there and pray with you. I don't know. Do you want me to come? And we hadn't heard back from him, and it got pretty late that evening, and we decided, okay, it was time for us to just go to bed. We had church the next morning and a lot of responsibilities, and and my husband couldn't shake the feeling that he had heard those words of advice to show up and to not ask for an invitation, but to just show up. And he turned to me in our PJs sitting in bed and said, I shouldn't have asked for permission. 
I should just show up. And so he got out of bed and got dressed and drove to the hospital that night, in the middle of the night. And he told me that the whole time he was on his way there, he thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? I don't know what to say to them. Even as he pulled into the parking lot, he thought about turning around. He said, I don't have any expertise. I don't have the pastoral training. This is something that somebody else should do. I don't, I don't know why I'm here. But he pressed on and checked in and went and found their room. And when he arrived, he realized he had arrived only minutes after they had had to say goodbye to their precious little daughter. And he didn't know what to say. And so he hugged them and cried with them and sat with them and eventually prayed with them and hugged them some more. And as we reflected on that experience, as he reflected on that experience, he said, I felt so ill-equipped, but I'm so glad I went. I didn't know what to say, but I'm glad I got to be there just to hug them. And I know that that is true of me. And while he pushed through and showed up anyway, so often those same thoughts have held me back completely. And I haven't shown up. We hold back because we don't know what to do or we feel like we don't have the words to say or the wisdom or the expertise or even just the practical skills to actually help in any way. The good news is you usually don't have to say anything at all. In fact, the bigger the tragedy, the fewer words needed. So feel free to just show up and shut up. The shadow of death is a very real part of all of our lives, and the way that we can help one another is first by showing up, and then the needs will make themselves clear. Can you sit on a couch? Can you sit in a waiting room? Can you hold someone's hand? Can you hold a baby? Can you cook a meal or bake cookies or pick up coffee or pick up takeout? I know you can. So don't turn from the darkness. Show up. And here's what happens when we show up for each other, when we show up for other people, even strangers. We point the world's eyes toward the God who loves us and created us for health and love and life. And even though this life has been broken, when we place our faith in Jesus, we will one day experience the life that we were intended for, the life that he died to give us, a life in restored relationship with God, with the God of the universe for all of eternity in a place that the Bible describes in the book of Revelation as the new heaven and new earth. Revelation describes it this way. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. 
He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And when we show up in the darkness for people, when we feed the hungry and help those in trouble, our light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around us will be as bright as noon. We bring that light into the cracks of this broken life and reveal the truth about who God is and how he made us and how much he loves us. And we can do all that just by showing up. So I encourage you to do it. Do it today, even if you're scared. Look at the world around you and find a dark corner where you need to show up. Look at your own world, your own relationships, your own connections, and ask God, where do I need to show up in someone's darkness today? As always, I love hearing stories from you about how God is working in your life. And I want to begin sharing your stories as part of the podcast. And so if you are stepping out and trying this, if you try it today, if you try it this week, and you see God move, or he's teaching you something, or he does something cool in the world around you, I would love to hear about it. We'd love to share those with other people who are listening to the podcast so that it can be an encouragement to them as they dig deep and lay the foundation of their life on Jesus in the same way that you're doing that. And so I would love for you to share those stories. You can go to jessalston.com, use the contact page, and just shoot me a quick note. I won't share your name without asking you, and um, I know that your stories will be an encouragement to other people if you share them. So please consider sharing those stories. Go to jessalston.com to the contact page. Thank you so much for listening this week. Please join us again next week as we conclude our series Shine. And until then, remember to dig deep 